better? Getting louder? Getting better? Boom! Oh, mate, by the time I'm finished, it's going to be awesome. Please take a seat. Come on. What an awesome day in church. Uh, the album is a dead set banger. Uh, we... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, brother. We actually sold out of the album this morning and we had to send one of the lads to go down to Carindale to pick up another box, okay, and bring them back. Uh, so get on board. Uh, grab a copy. If you still have one of those things called a CD player in your car, get amongst it. Um, I really, I'm, really just ex- I'm really just excited about today. When, when Romy got up tonight, uh, it's just awesome. And I, I kind of try and keep track of what's going on in the world, and I actually don't watch the news very often, but I sort of try and keep track of what's going on in the world and what's going on in the church, uh, and I really just feel like we're shifting gears, you know what I mean? I feel like as a church we're shifting gears, uh, we've been talking about hunger and thirst all month, uh, and people have been praying, people have been fasting, and pursuing the things of God. Uh, we're going to two services next Sunday morning because we can't fit everybody in on a Sunday morning. So I feel like we're kicking on. I want to pray for some people before I get started tonight. If you've been uh, pursuing the things of God this month, uh, we've done a reading plan, we've been fasting, we've been praying, uh, we've been reading the Word of God, we've been journaling, we've been doing all these things. Uh, If you've been on board with that and you've been pursuing the things of God and and you're just passionate about seeing God do something in your life, we've got seven interns that started here this week. Um, If that's you, I want you to stand. I'm going to pray for you tonight. Come on. You can all get in on this. You can all stand if you want. But if you're pursuing, <laughs> if you're chasing the things of God, I want you to stand tonight. I believe that God's going to encounter you this week. Father, I thank you for every man and woman that is destined this month to pursue the things of God. And Father, right now, I just declare that they would shift gears to another dimension of their experience of you, Father. And right now, we just release the anointing of the Holy Spirit to encounter each and every one of them, Father. I pray that this week that there would be divine encounters, Lord God, as they go into their workplaces, as they go back into their lives, into their families, Father, that you would meet them, Father, that you would encounter them and that you would release a hunger and a passion to pursue the things of God. And so, Father, right now, we just release power. We release anointing in the name of Jesus. Come on, Father, we just pray for more. We just pray that you would just continue to push the boundaries, Lord God, of what you're capable of. Come on, Jesus, we need more of you in society. We need more of you in our lives. Come on, Father, we ask for more tonight. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, take a seat. Woo! <laughs> we, uh, we've had such a fun day. Carolina spoke this morning about celebration. And uh, cracker of a message. I I spent most of it laughing. Um, I can't remember at what point of the message it was, but at some point Sam just called, he cried out unto the Lord and just said, thank God for KFC. And uh, I don't know if that was a good word or not, but I was, uh, seriously, I was losing it. Um, I had to, I grew grew up in a really strict traditional family, right? And, And we didn't really celebrate a lot. And I think part of that is because my uh, my lineage, my family is Dutch, okay? And the Dutch, they're not the happiest guys on the planet, all right? Fascinating country. Uh, we didn't celebrate a lot, and uh, my wife and I had the privilege of living with uh, family friends of ours, an Italian couple, uh, about seven years ago, um, before, my, before my first son was born, and they lived celebration. They lived the message. If they were here tonight, 
uh, they would be the living, breathing versions of Carolina's message. And um, so excited about the message. And I was just laughing thinking about it because when I, we lived with them for six months and, uh, and we were speaking about feasting. And these guys feasted, right? They were Italian. So you sat down and dinner went for four hours. So you sat down and there was snacks and there was a bit of food. And then the, main, then the entrees came out. Then the main course came out. And you were talking and there were, you know, there were drinks and there was all this stuff going on. And there's so much food. And then when you were finished, you know, they'd bring out dessert, Okay. And then you'd eat dessert, and then dessert was followed by coffee, right? Because that's a whole other course. Uh, and then coffee would be followed by, you'd just be sitting there chatting, and the next thing you know, Fran would go, hey, look, I'm just going to get out some more food. So she would just get out like another meal that she'd prepared for another day. And we feasted so much. We celebrated so much. Right? We learnt everything that we know about celebration. We learnt from this couple. When we moved out, I lost 10 kilos in six months. All right? And I'm not a big guy. And, uh, and so just hearing the message this morning was, was so much fun. We went and celebrated with a bunch of friends in the park. Uh, and at the same time, it makes me feel a little bit sad because uh, this morning talking about celebration, we've been talking about hunger and thirst and we spent all morning talking about uh, feasting and celebration. And I feel like when you're, when you're trying to get fit, okay, there are some things that are really enjoyable and other things that are less enjoyable, right? And when you're, if you're trying to like, if you're trying to get big, which I'm clearly not, but where's Igor tonight? Igor feels this, okay? If you're trying to get big, it's awesome because you get to go to the gym, you do some exercise and you eat tons of food. Like I'm talking heaps of food. And then if you're trying to cut a bit of weight, you do all these things which aren't that exciting. You have to go to the gym and do cardio. And let's face it, no one enjoys cardio. And so I feel like this morning, yeah, come on, we'll work through that. I'll pray for you later. Uh, Carolina's message this morning was the bulking phase. You know, it was the eat whatever you like phase. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about simplicity, and it is the cardio session. Okay? You, you're not going to leave. You're not going to. You might leave here with heart palpitations and sweating, and you know, it's not going to be fun. But you know, what's going to be good for you. Okay? You know what's going to be good for you. Come on. Uh, tonight, we want to talk about simplicity. Simplicity. Do you know living a simple life is actually one of, the, one of the fundamental activities that we need to participate as Christians, right? Before I can actually get into that, first of all, I need to explain the concept of simplicity and how it actually fits into our theme this month, Hunger and Thirst. Uh, I want to look at the life of Paul and look at a few stories. A fascinating guy. Uh, and I'm going to finish up with, uh, with three points about how we can actually live simpler lives that are more, that are more fruitful. Um, this is the worst kept secret is our theme for this month. Did you realise that? Uh, we very secretly came up with a plan and said we want to build healthy Christians so we got up here all month and spoke about how to build healthy Christians, okay? And so we've been covering these uh, basic spiritual disciplines. It doesn't sound good, okay, disciplines, but it's good for you. And so we've been talking about prayer and fasting and all these things that help all of us live fitter, healthier Christian lives, right? So we've been talking about prayer, we've been talking about fasting, and uh, we're really going to push that tonight looking at simplicity. And the reason that we do this is because the Bible actually tells us to do it, right? The Bible actually says, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, that God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, uh, pastors, teachers, 
the worship band, the cafe, the host team, uh, the musos, the smoke machine, so that we can build the body of Christ to do the work of ministry. Okay? So we're not doing this because we think it's fun. You don't do workout because it's something that you really enjoy, but you do it because it's good for you. And the Bible says that it's our responsibility to try and help you guys lead better lives and build yourselves up as Christians. Now, if you want to get fit, if you want to get healthy, you're going to have to do a few things, right? One thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to exercise. You're actually going to have to do some activity. Uh, Something else you're going to have to do is you're going to have to manage your diet. Okay, you need to eat, you need to have the right amount of the right things at the right time. Okay, so if you want to have, uh, if you want to have a healthy marriage, you've actually got to work hard. Oh, there's a shock right there, all right? But you've got to work hard. You actually have to put your spouse's needs before yourselves. You need to do the dishes. I need to get all my clothes and put them in the dirty clothes basket and then go and wash them when the basket's full, all right? It's called hard work. And at the same time, you have to... Yeah, you tell me, all right? It's, it's hard life. Um, my mum always did it for me. You know, I get married, I've got to do it myself. Anyway. Hey, by the way, it is my wife's birthday tomorrow. She's 31 years old. Come on. Woo! Happy birthday, baby. Uh, but you need to feed your marriage on the right things as well. Okay, you need, to, you need to feed your marriage. No, I'm serious. You need to feed your marriage uh, generosity. You need to feed it patience. You need to feed it uh, thankfulness and honour. Okay? And these are the things you actually need to do. Um, if you want to become wealthy, you need to work hard. You're actually going to need to go and get a job. You're going to need to go and save some money, which is hard because we like spending it. But you're going to need to save some. Uh, and you're going to need to consume the right things. All right? You actually need to consume wisdom. You know, you actually need to go and have a diet of understanding, okay, and education and strategy so that you can become wealthy. And so, if you want to pursue the things of God, it's not just about doing the activity and just having the diet, although they're really important things, but as well as that, you actually need to have focus on what you're doing because nothing happens overnight, okay? So you need to have focus and you need to be consistent. Okay, which are, the, which are the hard things? Now, has anyone ever here tried to get fit? Come on, you know it's true, right? right we've all done it. I've done it. And, and we know how the process goes, right? So we go, I need to get fit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to sign up at the gym, right? And you go in there and you sign up and you sit down with a personal trainer and they give you your workout plan, okay? And they go, these are the exercises you need to do. And they, if, you, if you go to someone really good, they'll give you a meal plan and go, uh, this is the sort of stuff that you need to eat, and here's a plan of how you can prepare your meals and what you can do in conjunction with your exercise, okay? And so you're all really pumped up. So day one, uh, you're excited, the alarm goes off, it's 5 a.m., you're getting straight out of bed, you jump out, you go to the gym, and you, you get on the workout routine, and you're doing everything that's on the list, right? And you're working hard, and you're sweating, and your heart's pumping, and you, it's sort of like full-on high intensity, and, and you're actually working out, like you're really living, Okay? And it's, it's painful, but you do it. And then you, you get home and you've already prepared meals from the night before. And so you prep your meals and you eat your meals and you stick into your diet and you're doing really good. Day one, awesome. Then day two, okay? Day two, the alarm goes off and you're like, oh, I'm really sore. But you get up and you go to the gym anyway, okay? And then you get there and you go, you know what? I really didn't enjoy that high impact stuff from yesterday. And I'm not really looking forward to sweating like I was that much. And so I'm going to go and lift some weights because that's exercise, Right? 
and I can go, and I'm pretty good at lifting some heavy weights. So I'm going to go and lift some weights, but I'm not going to push myself too hard. And then so you, you, you finish your workout, you go to work, and then you go, well, I actually forgot to prep my meals, and so I'm just going to buy something for lunch. And then you get to the shop and you go like, you know, you've got to choose KFC or McDonald's and you're working out what you're going to get. And then you're like, well, I'll get a wrap from McDonald's because that'll be healthy, right? Okay? And you're like, I'm trying to be healthy, but I didn't prepare anything, so I'm going to do it. But you go, tomorrow I'll be back on the meal plan. Okay? Then day three gets here, all right? Day three's the worst. And the alarm goes off at 5 a.m. and you're sore from still from Monday. And you, you, just, you just skip straight past thinking about it and you just hit the snooze button. You know, you're like, I'm not getting up at all, I'm going to start again tomorrow. So you just wipe out the workout and you tell yourself that everything's going to be fine and uh, then you get up and go to work and you're like, look, I'm getting Macca's today and I don't even care about the wrap, I'm going straight for the Big Mac. <laughs> Alright? I'm going straight for the Big Mac, I'll start again next week. You, you, uh, some of you guys are laughing because you've done this before, I know, right? <laughs> and that's what the fitness cycle is like for a lot of the time. But the hard part is, at some point you will wonder, some people actually wonder, why I'm not seeing results, okay? Sometimes you get it and you go, well, this isn't really working for me. I'm working hard. I'm kind of sticking to the meal plan. But the truth is, if you want to make progress, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to maintain your diet, but you're going to need to focus and maintain consistency, okay? Uh, in other words, you're going to have to eliminate some of your options, if you, are, if you set your alarm for 5 o'clock and you say, I'm just going to get out of bed, regardless of what happens, whether you go into the gym or not, you eliminate the option of sleeping in, it's actually a really good motivator to actually get up and do something. Because if you actually get up at 5 a.m. and get out of bed and you're standing there and you go, what on earth am I going to do? You go, well, I'm up now. I may as well go to the gym. Yeah. All right? So building focus and being consistent, one of the ways we do that is by eliminating options and simplifying our lifestyle. Uh, if we are going to pursue the things of God, uh, we have to work hard, all right? We have to be active. We have to, we have to worship. We have to pray. We have to fast. We have to do all these things. And we need to maintain our diet. You know, we need to read the Word of God. You know, we need to, we need to read and study the prophetic words that are spoken over us because it's our diet. But if we're actually going to make progress, we need to maintain consistency, right? And we need to keep at it. And the way that we do that is by simplifying our life. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 6, verse 33. He said, uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Simplicity is consistently pursuing Jesus by eliminating alternative options. If you want to pursue the things of God, you need to work hard, you need to maintain your diet, but we need to actually limit our, our viable options to go, I have one focus and I'm going to seek the kingdom before everything else. I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to seek the kingdom. And if, if I can't work that out, I'm going to be awake anyway because I got rid of my options and I'm going, to seek the, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray and if I fall asleep, I'm going to wake back up again and start reading the Bible. Because if we pursue the things of God, we need to be consistent and we need to focus on it. Uh, you can't say yes to God without saying no to something else. If you want to actually go after the things of God, God will start to convict you and you will have to, in order to say yes, you will actually have to start saying no. Okay, so to say yes to God, uh, we actually need to say no to something. Now, I just wanted to add this. Simplicity is about pursuing God and limiting our options. It's not about doing less. Okay, 
A lot of people just go, I'm going to pursue the things of God and the rest of the stuff can fall by the wayside. But I just want to add this. Uh, simplicity is about limiting our options and pursuing God. It's not about doing less. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Uh, I have a, a rather interesting schedule, okay? I don't want to say that it's crazy, uh, but I'm really tired a lot of the time. <laughs> all right? I've got a crazy... Like, there's a lot going on, all right? They're like, literally from 5 a.m. So 5 a.m., or actually quarter to 5, is alarm off and it's workout time. And then I have to get back from the gym in time to look after the kids. And then I have to get the kids ready for school in time to take them to my wife's work because she's working from 4.45, in time for me to go to work. And then when I finish work, I come back in time to pick my kids up to take them home to cook dinner because my wife is normally at work. And then when my wife comes home from work, I get to cook dinner. And then when dinner's finished, I can get back to the emails that I missed during the day after my kids have gone to bed because hanging out with my kids is a priority. And so when the kids go to bed, I get to do emails. And in amongst all that fun stuff, I get to do all the fun things that we do at church. And every now and then, I have to travel as well. So someone will go, you need to go to Perth for a meeting. And I go, that's awesome. I do love being on a plane. Okay, but my point is, simplicity is not about doing less. It's about prioritising and knowing what you need to say no to in order to be able to say yes to everything that God has for you, okay? God's in my job, okay? God and I are busy at work establishing the kingdom through my, through my place of employment, and so I'm passionate about it. God is busy at work in my family, and so I, I pursue that. Uh, God is, is busy building the kingdom in me when I'm at the gym for 45 minutes. And so it's all important, and simplicity is not about doing less, it's saying yes to the things of God. Uh, I want to look at the Apostle Paul, a fascinating guy out of the Bible that modelled this life of uh, simplicity so well. And uh, you can actually go and read this from about uh, Acts chapter 12 right through to the end is basically a story of of Paul and the history of the things that he actually went and did. And, uh, And Paul was a Jewish man. He actually wasn't born as Paul, the Apostle. He was born as Saul of Tarsus. Um, I tried to find where Tarsus is and I didn't come up on Google, right? But it's somewhere near Sicily uh, and he grew up speaking, this is all I can tell you, he grew up speaking Greek, okay, and he grew up as a Pharisee. So what that means is that Paul was a Jewish man, he spoke Greek and his profession was that he made tents, all right? And as he made tents, he was taught, he was educated as a Pharisee. So he knew scripture really well. He was a religious man. In fact, he was a, he was a devout religious man. And so he went through the process as, as a Jewish man of going to work during the day, which is his trade as a tent maker. And at the same time, in everything that he did, uh, pursuing the things of God as a Pharisee. Now, one of the problems that Paul had early in life is that his passion for God was overcome by his sense of religious duty, okay? So instead of pursuing a relationship with God, he actually started pursuing these religious ideals and his life stopped being about what he was for and started becoming about what he was against, okay? And so the end result of that is uh, Jesus is in ministry, Jesus dies, and Paul takes a personal responsibility to go... I don't believe in this uh, and I stick to my religious duty and I take responsibility um, to, pr- to persecute believers, okay? This is Paul, 
All right? This is, this is really heavy. So he takes a personal responsibility to travel around the countryside and the empire of Rome to push an agenda of persecuting Christians to the point where they, people were getting stoned, people were getting killed, right? And so Paul's pushing this agenda and he's at the, an event where a guy by the name of Stephen is killed because of his belief in Jesus, because Paul is so violently against the Jesus that he thinks he knows, but he's misunderstanding. And so he's pushing this agenda and they're killing Christians. And after successfully having someone executed, Paul is cruising home on his horse and God turns up. It says in the Bible that uh, a bright light knocked Paul off his horse, okay? And it was so bright that Paul became blind from the encounter. So the encounter that, that he had was so powerful it knocked him off, off his horse and made him blind in an instant, right? And God spoke to him audibly, okay? And basically the conversation is quite long, but I'll, I'll, I'll shorten it down for you. And God says, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting believers? And he goes on to explain how Jesus was the Son of God. And all of a sudden, Paul's got it all wrong. And, he, and, and Paul has this revelation that everything that he's poured his life into of persecuting all these people were actually the Jesus that he thought he was following. Okay? Can you imagine how confronting of an encounter that would actually be? You've spent most of your life trying to persecute these people that you thought were wrong and then God turns up and he has an encounter and he realises that, that these people were actually right and he had it all mixed up around the wrong way. All right? That's got, that's got to be a hard day. Yeah. That's got to be a really hard day. So what do you focus your energy on? I mean, Paul spent most of his time actually trying to, trying to persecute these people instead of actually uh, pursuing a relationship with God. Do you remember the moment that you actually encountered God? I mean, Paul's in this scenario, I can't imagine what it would be like, but has an encounter, a, a tangible, physical encounter that makes him blind. Do you remember when you first encountered God? Maybe you didn't get knocked off your horse. I'd say you probably didn't, okay? Because not a lot of us are cruising around to horses and working back. But do you remember what your actual first encounter was with, with Jesus? Um, and then to follow this, Paul gets up and he realises he needs to learn from the people that he spent the last four years persecuting. Okay? Now, I thought Paul went straight into training, but I found out, I did some reading, that Paul actually left for about two years, probably because he was so concerned about having to be taught by the people that he'd been trying to kill for four years. Okay? So Paul goes and has a bit of time by himself to get his head around this revelation that Jesus is God. In the meantime, he finds someone that has a vision, that sees Paul in a vision. This person goes and finds Paul and prays for him and his, his eyesight is completely restored. Okay? And so Paul has a few years to work out what he's doing and then actually goes to, to go and meet the apostles in Jerusalem that he's been trying to kill for four years in order that they would teach him about love and about Jesus. Makes me think about how well we embrace people that come into the church. You think about how confronting that would have been if you were in Paul's shoes, where you'd spent so much time sinning so extravagantly, and then you turned up to say, 
I'm really sorry, I'm here to say yes to Jesus. And at the same time, how confronting it would have been for the apostles that have gone, this guy's been trying to kill us for four years and now he's walked into church on Sunday. (laughs) Think about it. This is the scenario that they're actually in. And so do we actually embrace people? And then the story goes on from there uh, and Paul spends time with the apostles Okay, and they start to train him in ministry and they start to teach him about what God's actually like. And then from there, Paul actually goes to start his ministry work, right? He actually goes and takes the first step. Do you actually, are you actually prepared to go and take the first step? You know, for everything that he's gone through, he has such conviction to go, I need to be a minister of the gospel. And part of me thinks that that conviction has got to be in level with the encounter that he had because he was so, such an extreme conversion and he goes, I need to get out there. So I'm not sure how you encountered God, but are you prepared to go and take the first step? Are you prepared to go and pray for someone on the street? Are you prepared to invite someone to church on a Sunday? Because I want to encourage you and say, if Paul could go into ministry, <laughs> a guy that was a professional Christian killer, all right, I'm pretty sure that we could pray for someone on the street. I'm pretty sure that we can be bold enough to take the first step. And then the story goes on from there and Paul goes out in, in the missions work and he's preaching the gospel and he's still making tents. He's still doing what he does. And he's out there in the communities, in, in, in and around the Roman Empire. And as he's doing this, he doesn't speak really well, but people start having encounters, right? People start getting healed. He just starts speaking the word of God. He, he rolls up and, and there's these crazy stories, you know. He turns up to this one place where a young woman um, just tells people what the future is. And he realises that, she's, that she's, uh, she's, she's a polytheist, right? So she doesn't believe there's one God. She believes there's lots of gods. And so she just thinks she's telling the future. And, and someone is charging people for this service, right? And so Paul goes and says, look, you need to be freed. And he converts this girl. He leads her to Christ and says, you're actually prophesying the future. And he starts to teach her about, about who God is and how God works. And then the guy that's charging for her services gets really annoyed, right? And so Paul's doing all this stuff right around the Roman Empire. And he's building a pretty consistent level of enemies, right? So first of all, he was hated by the Christians and loved by everybody else. He gets converted and he starts preaching the gospel. And next thing you know, he's getting loved by the Christians and hated by everybody else. So much to the point that he's got a list of enemies a mile, a mile long. Anyway, it ends up, he ends up in jail at least two times that the Bible records, uh, basically for preaching the gospel and people getting annoyed with him, to the point where he actually gets shipwrecked. Okay? He ends up on a ship and the ship crashes and he has nothing. He's actually given... Everything that he has, he's given to, to actually go and pursue God. Everything that he owns, everything that he, everything that he has, everything that he aspires to be, he goes and gives it up to pursue the things of God. And he actually says this at one point. He goes, I know what it is to have nothing, and I know what it is to have everything, and I pray that I would honour God and that I would glorify God with everything that I've got. And it ends to the point where ultimately Paul is killed because of his belief And it really just makes me think, are we here to make excuses or are we here to make a difference? We're going to work hard. We're going to pursue the things of God. But do we have the conviction that Paul had to sacrifice, okay, to give everything so that the kingdom can be established? 
He went through his whole life living a life of simplicity to say, I can sacrifice everything else because I want to seek first the kingdom of God. Are we willing to make the small sacrifices in order to let God establish the kingdom through us? Simplicity. Three quick, quick steps on how we can establish a life of simplicity and seek the kingdom first. Uh, number one is this. You need to bury the past. <laughs> you imagine being in Paul's situation. To go into ministry with the history that he had. Okay, You've got to bury the past the same way that Paul did. You know, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That couldn't be truer. That couldn't be more true for anyone than Paul. Think about it. Old things have died, and you are a new creation. Paul actually says in, in Romans, he, he paints this beautiful picture where he compares uh, baptism with the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he says... When you, go under the, when you go under the water, when you were baptised, you were buried with Christ. Okay? And then when you came out of the water, it's like you were resurrected with Jesus. Okay? I want to say tonight, if you've made a decision to follow God and you've been baptised, you can't, you can't be haunted by your past because your past is dead. Amen. The old guy got killed. Okay? When you got baptised, we killed the old man and he's buried out the back somewhere. Your, your past come can't back to haunt you. The only way you can do it is if you go and find the old man and try and dig him up. All right? So you've got to bury your past. God already, he's already buried your past. He's already done it. He's already, he's already killed him. He's dead back there somewhere. All right? You can have challenges in life. You can have growing pains in life where God's trying to grow you and it's difficult. Okay? But your past can't come back to haunt you. Why? Because your past is dead. So number one, you need to bury your past. Number two, (laughs) run from materialism. Uh, One of the most sobering revelations I had was about seven seven or eight years ago, uh, my my wife and I were living uh, in central Queensland. Uh, a little place called Emerald, a lovely place of about 4,000 people. And uh, we had to go away for a weekend to celebrate a birthday. And so we, we asked a few people, and a few people said, you should go to this place for the weekend. It's really lovely. Like, it's a lovely place. There's lovely beaches, and there's a marina. And uh, just go there for the weekend and enjoy yourself. And so we said, that's a fantastic idea. So we booked, we booked a hotel, and we, we drove to this place. We drove there on the Friday, right? We checked in. And the apartment was like in the main centre of town. There's like a little boardwalk and there's a massive shopping centre, right? Like a Westfield. And uh, we got there, we, we checked in, we checked our bags in and we said, well, let's go and check out some of this stuff that everyone had been saying and said, go and check this stuff out. So we went and had a look around and we got to the beach and the beach was horrible, right? Like I was expecting like white sand and, you know, like run around and, and blue water and there was just like mangroves and mosquitoes and mudflats, Right? And I was like, this, is not, this isn't nice. This is, not, this is not what my version of a beach, right? Anyway, we thought, we'll go to the marina. And so we went for a drive to the marina. And they're like, it's beautiful. And I'm thinking of like, 
I don't know if you've ever been to like the, the Noosa Marina, right? And I'm thinking of like the Noosa Marina where there's like restaurants and there's cafes and there's boats and there's buskers and it's beautiful. And we get to the marina and the marina's like just a place where you park your boat and fill it up with fuel and there's like one bar. And I'm like, this is horrible. And I'm like, why do people, why do people love this place? And it was like a real, it was something that was like, what's going on? Woke up Saturday morning, went down to have breakfast and it dawned on me. Shopping centre, packed. Absolutely packed. And I realised that we live in a society that is full of people that live Monday to Friday to pay for Saturday morning at Westfield. Come on. People live entire lives, and we all meet them, driven 60, 70 hours a week so they can drive a car and die somewhere warm. Right? So that they can get some stuff. If we need to pursue the things of God, we need to run from materialism. Now, I want to say this. God doesn't mind if you want to have some stuff. He only minds if your stuff has you. Okay? <laughs> all, the, all the successful Christians that I meet, they got a lot of stuff. Like, I meet, some Christ- I meet some pastors that live in some beautiful houses. And one of the reactions is to go, well, we need to get rid of that. And I just want to say this. As long as your stuff doesn't have you, your stuff is fine. But in order to pursue the things of God, at some point you're going to have to sacrifice materialism. Okay? So number two, (laughs) simplify your life by running from materialism. Uh, Number three, I'm going to park the bus here. Be humble. Come on. Sit down. Be humble. Anybody get that? Yeah, you like that, didn't you? Come on. Come on. You know, Kendrick Lamar is prophetic. He just isn't saved yet. He just doesn't know it, okay? And don't go and, don't go and look him up on Spotify, all right? But my point is, be humble. Just chill out, sit down, and be humble. Uh, Luke chapter 4, 7 to 11, Jesus is, at a, Jesus is at a party, right? He's at an event, and he tells this parable. He says... Uh, He told a parable to those who were invited when they noted how they chose the best places. And he said to them, when you were invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honourable than you be invited. And 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 the, the bride, sorry, the groom will come to you and say, give your place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. Right? So don't turn up and take the best seat. Because if someone has to come and ask you to move down a spot, you're going to be humbled. But he says, but when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when you're invited, the person that comes to you may say, friend, go and sit up higher. Then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who will be humble, sorry, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Sit down, be humble. Right? I heard a a quote recently that just said this. He said, you'll be destroyed if the spotlight that is on you shines brighter than the light that is within you. (laughs) I live my life trying to talk down everything that I'm doing and just talking up the thing that God's doing. Regardless of how far we progress and how many successes we get, I just want to be humbled and I want to pray, God, humble me 
God humble me, make me low, so that he can say, when the time's right, be exalted. How to live a simple life, be peaceful. Okay, number one, bury your past. Number two, run from materialism. Number three, be humble. <laughs> I, want to, I want to pray for a group of people tonight uh, because I believe that, believe God's speaking to people tonight. And I really feel this is a revelation to go, to pursue the things of God, we need to say no to some things in life. And I feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit is speaking to us going, you need to put some things aside. You actually need to make some sacrifices. The path that you've been going down may have been the wrong path and it's time for you to reconnect with the God who loves you and who is your Father. So if we could just close our eyes and bow our heads, I want to create an opportunity for anyone. And maybe you've been sitting here tonight, maybe it's your first time in church. Uh, Maybe you've been before and now you're back, but at some point tonight, it could have been in the worship, it could have been uh, when we're going through City Vision, it could have been in the message, but at some point, God has spoken to you and said, I need you to put some things aside and I need you to make a decision to follow me. And I want to, I want to create an opportunity for you to respond to that tonight. To go, God, my ways aren't working and I want to make a decision tonight to follow you and pursue the things of God. And maybe you've made that decision before. Maybe once upon a time you sat in a church and made a decision to pursue God and for some reason that's gone cold or you've forgotten about that or you've lost your focus. And tonight you want to go, Lord, I want to make that decision again. I want to give you the opportunity tonight to do that. You know, God is a good and loving Father and He wants to connect with you tonight. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three and I want to ask you to raise your hands so that I can pray for you tonight. Come on, one, God loves you and has a plan for you. Two, He's calling you back to a relationship with Him. And three, He's asking you to make a decision and a sacrifice tonight. If that's you, I just ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you real quick. Come on, I see those hands. Thank you, guys. Come on, we're not in a hurry tonight. If there's anybody else in here that needs to make that decision, I want to give the opportunity to go, I want want to pursue the things of God. Come on. Amen, amen. You put those hands down. Come on, bless you guys. Let's pray. (laughs) Come on, God's good. Father, I thank you for each person that made a decision tonight that feels prompted by the Holy Spirit, calling them back to a relationship with you. And Father, I honour them for this decision. I pray that you would release your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to be at work in their lives, Father, to bless them and to guide them on this journey, Lord God. We pray that you would teach them about repentance and about making you the Lord and Saviour of their life, Father. And we just pray that you'll bless them and protect them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.